So this morning, it's a privilege to come and share with you as with Wheelie Castle. And uh, when I've been speaking, I've been uh, doing a theme called Working Wonders, the world of work. Now, the first two you can still watch online, but this, uh, here online, but this is standalone uh, as well. And this one, we've got to the, the, the power of rest, the power of rest. Now, I've already, give, already given you half an hour extra in bed, so I don't know what else I can do. So we're going to talk about the power of rest. So for two weeks, we looked at the world of work, and you can catch up online. But the world of work is incredibly significant because it's written back in creation. So for those of you who think, oh, good, I'm retired, I don't have to listen this morning, um, no, let me pick up why you do. Now, somebody says this, God left creation with deep, untapped potential for cultivation that people were to unlock through their endeavors. So right back in Genesis, uh, one of the first things it said to Adam and Eve, says he created Adam and Eve, then he blessed them. That's God's heart, to bless people. Then he told them to go and build society. Go and build culture. Go and populate the world. Go and build um, society. And, and that is the role uh, for mankind uh, since creation, that we build um, great culture and uh, society. And we all have a role to play, whether we're believers in Christ, whether we're not believers in Christ. That commission was right back, uh, there in creation. So to work on things is part of who God has created us to be. That we're made in God's image to be creative, to contribute, to use the skills that he's given us. God modeled something right back in creation when he took six days to make the world. And as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, working on things was part of the Garden of Eden. It was part of paradise. So it, only didn't, it didn't just come as part of the fall. Uh, I reckon when I go to heaven that I will be working on things. I don't imagine that I'm going to be sitting around just singing. I think that, uh, there will, that you know, there will be rest, but I'll be working on things. I'll get things to do there that I won't get to do down here. Now, I, I, I'm really praying that in heaven I'm good at DIY. <laughs> because down here, it's just not a gift that God has given me. And I really thank God for those who've given that gift of plumbing, of carpentry, setting up computers... Um, those sort of things. And that's the common grace in the world that we, we live in, that God has given different people skills and ability. Um, imagine what it would be like if we had to do all those things uh, ourselves. So working on things is, is very important. Timothy Keller has written a fantastic book on this called Every Good Endeavor. Every Good Endeavor. So whether you are in paid work, voluntary work, you're mission-minded, whether you volunteer for things, whether you support people, whether you look after grandchildren or children, this is, this is for you as well. Every good uh, endeavor. And he says, one quote, he says this, Work is essential to human dignity. We too often demean it and don't celebrate it. So it's, it's good, isn't it? So right back in, in uh, Genesis, God, at the end of the day, for those six days, looked back and reflected on what he has done. And we can celebrate the things that we achieve in a day. Now, back in Genesis, when God created something, he says that what he did was very good. Now, we can't always say that every day, what we did was very good. But we can reflect on what we have done. Now, today, like I says, this is about um, uh, not so much working on things, 
but how rest is very much part of God's plan too. Rest is very much part of God's plan too. So for some of you, you're thinking hallelujah. Some of you will struggle in this area to get the kind of rest that God is talking about. So it's called, entitled, The Power of Rest. So I'm going to read a verse from Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, uh, two or three verses here. Genesis chapter 1. It says this, chapter 1, verse 31. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. So this was the end of the sixth day. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. Then it goes on to say, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, aren't you glad that God created a seventh day? I'm really glad that God, I'm glad he created the other days, but I'm really glad that he created a seventh day. And it says that this is a day that should be holy. Now, that's where we get the the term holiday. Because God is saying, there's a rest in me, a holy day, there's a rest in me, the principle of, and it's time to take a break. And God modeled work and rest. And we are made in his image, and there's something to learn about both. Now, like I said, the world of work we looked at for a couple of weeks, and now we're looking at the power of rest. Now, we pick up something very important in the Ten Commandments back in uh, Exodus. So just going to flick over to the next chapter. So we have Genesis, and now we just... Flicking over to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8 for the next few verses. Now, this is one of the Ten Commandments that he gave the Israelites while they were in the desert. And verse 8 says this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all the work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Neither you, nor your son, your daughter, your maidservant, or manservant, or your animals, nor the aliens within the gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that was in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Now one of the things that's quite interesting is that within the Ten Commandments, this is the one with the detail comes out more than any other. Now, it's not as I'm saying it's more important than the others. Well, the detail comes out very strongly. There's a lot of words here because it's something that God wanted us to pick up. Now, we need to understand something that, um, that the Sabbath legis- legislation um, came into to being as far as Israel's concerned. They started to follow it when they were in the desert. This command, this opportunity, This gift from God was unique to their culture. This was a gift of God that they should rest. Now, don't get me wrong here. It's not as if on the seventh day or on Sundays that God wants to stop all our fun. To stop us enjoying himself. That is not the principle. Now, I remember when Lewis, who used to be the national superintendent of Elim, uh, speaking. I remember one illustration that he used. I can't remember anything else that he said, really, but I can remember this. 
He says that he came from, um, his family came back from quite strict churchgoers. And on a Sunday, they weren't allowed to do anything. They couldn't play. I don't think they had TV back then. He says that they were so strict that they even took the swing out the budgie cage. So the budgie was not allowed to enjoy himself on a Sunday. And they took that out and they covered it over with a cover just so he couldn't see anything, just in case he might enjoy himself. Now, God has not given us this seventh day, this day of rest, for us not to enjoy himself. It is quite the opposite. It is a gift that he has given to us. Because God knows that we need rest And he kindly works it into his creation. It's not an afterthought. He puts it in right down at the start. And in a sense, he commands it because he knows that we need it so much. It would do us harm not to rest. And he doesn't just suggest it, and he even models it. Even models it for us. So for 400 years, these Israelites, when they get this command, had been slaves in Egypt, they'd been working seven days a week and any other hour that they could make them um, work. So the, the Egyptians made them do that. And God wanted to put a stamp on their freedom. God wanted to put a stamp on their freedom. So you've been doing this, working seven days a week. Now you have been set free. I want to demonstrate my freedom to you. I don't want you to be working every day of the week. And it says, remember, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, it says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord of God brought you out with a mighty hand. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. He didn't want them to jump from one arena of slavery into another arena of slavery. He was totally setting them free. Now, them... You know, them obeying and following the Sabbath was clear evidence that they belonged to him. Because they started to follow something that wasn't just in the Ten Commandments, but was written into creation and that God modeled himself. Now, this is not all about what you can do and not do on a Sunday. This is not what this is about. But God wrote into creation this freedom that he wanted his people to have. We know today, and it's probably a little bit less than it used to be, people used to boast about the amount of hours they worked, how many days they worked, how many, you know, I don't take many holidays and I put in so many different hours, I work to whatever silly o'clock, at, uh, you know, every, every week. Now thankfully, that is beginning to change a little bit. That, that shouldn't be our uh, identity. Because that puts pressure on ourselves, that puts pressure on other people, that puts pressure on our family, that put, creates anxiety, that puts pressure on our organs. A lot of people retire and they think it doesn't matter because I can rest when I retire, but actually then they maybe not last too long when they've retired. Put so much pressure upon themselves. So it's not, you know, rest is not written into retirement. Rest is written into creation. Rest is written into our week. And I know that, you know, we have all these labor-saving devices, don't we? <laughs> but they sometimes help us to rush around more, you know, or we get bogged down with technologies always on the go. So it says, God completed his work, uh, which he had done, and he rested. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. We regularly need to press 
the refresh button. As Rick Warren said, pastor in California says, don't work all day, don't work all week, don't work all year. And I find it quite interesting reading Genesis and right near the start and these six days where God was working. It says that God worked on each of those particular days. Then he reflected, he looked back at what he'd done and because it was, he was God, he is God, he said it was very good. That's no surprise there. Then he says, then there was evening. I thought that was quite interesting. Then there was evening. So God worked six days a week, six days, but it wasn't all morning, all afternoon, all evening. He rested within those particular days as well. Now, it's not for me to tell you what your work pattern should be, but it wasn't six days, morning, afternoon, and evening. I thought that was quite noticeable. So God says... Rest is important. And he's also committed to he's also committed to people not being exploited in their work. The idea was, like I says, that they would, you know, um, they would come out of Egypt, they would not be exploited, and they would not, when they built their society, have a culture that exploited other people. And he goes on to say, on the seventh day, the Lord said, is a Sabbath to the Lord, on it. You shall not do any work, neither you, your son or daughter, your servants, your oxen, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your servants may rest as you do. So I want you to be people who are free to rest, and I want you to release other people, creatures, Parts of creation to be free to rest uh, as well. So God writes this into creation. And what he was saying is, you are more important. You're not simply units of capacity in Pharaoh's brick-producing system. You're not going to be exploited any longer. I don't want you to exploit other people. I didn't like you being treated in this way. I don't want you to treat others in this way either now with technology it can be a little bit difficult can't it i don't know about you messages coming thick and fast and some of them are sociable social media that's what we call it sociable that's really good that's that's fine keeps people connected i think it's been really helpful over covid but i also know and also realize through people's stories that the pressure that can put on people that we're receiving messages all the time or emails. I'm I'm thankful that schools are starting to get wind of this and encouraging staff not to send emails of work in the evening, but the time that they come in the morning. Not to send them all now on a Friday so people are thinking about them uh, all over the weekend, but to time them to come on a Sunday morning. God's saying that we need that freedom. We need that freedom. We have to have rest from producing and having to think. We have to have that rest. So it's not just doing, but it's also about having to think. So God wants to bring that level of freedom. Now, working hard is important, don't get me wrong. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. But that freedom from having to produce and having to think. So on the six days, you shall do your work. On the seventh, there is a Sabbath. So Heavenly Father models something, finishes his work after six days. Now, we know that Jesus himself, wasn't he? He honoured 
the Sabbath. Now, again, I don't want to get into what we can do or can't do on a Sunday, but Jesus himself honoured the Sabbath. The only thing that the Pharisees had him on was he healed somebody on the Sabbath, which is clear that he wasn't doing lots of other things, isn't it? It must have been. Because that was otherwise he would have been criticized for that. But he healed somebody on the Sabbath. My point is this Jesus himself took a break. Jesus himself had a rest. So the drive to achieve and produce shouldn't become an idol to us. Someone says an idol is something good which becomes the ultimate thing. So our work can't become our idol. The amount of hours that we work can't become an idol. C.S. Lewis says this, pride gets no pleasure out of having something only out of having more than the next person. So what is it that drives us to achieve what we're looking to achieve? It's good, it's good to be high achievers, don't get me wrong, but what drives, drives us? Often we're driven to impress people we don't even like. We can get so caught up with what other people think about it. Who are we trying to impress as somebody says this, working brings meaning to life using the skills that God's given us, but it's not the meaning of our lives. God has higher meaning for us. And in the passage that are read, I don't know if you picked up, but he says, you know, you should take your rest. You should make sure your servants have a rest. You make sure your sons and daughters have rests. By the way, they can still empty the dishwasher on a Sunday. That's not what I'm saying. So if any of them watch this online and say, well, no, Phil said. Phil says there's just no way I can empty the dishwasher on a Sunday. It's not quite what I'm saying. Although my children did hold to that belief. I've got to say. But even the animals in the fields got a day off. Even the animals in the fields got uh, a day off. And it says, doesn't it? You know, sometimes I think that we need to trust God. So, so in the desert, when God gave manna for six days, he didn't give it on the seventh, did he? He didn't give them manna on the seventh. And he said, and, and, but some of them went out looking. He says, you need to trust me. You need to trust me. God is not keen for us to... Now, this season, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that if you ever worked seven days in a row that you've done something wrong, I'm not saying that. But there are seasons, aren't there? There are seasons. Um, but there's times when I think God says, you need to trust me. I have a higher purpose for you. And in Matthew, it says this, and if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today, thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? God is so committed to caring for us. And if we honor the principles that he lays down as his people, we can trust him. I believe we can trust him. So just to draw into a little bit of a close, and then we'll pray in a moment. And there's a lot to this, so I'm covering quite a lot in one go. And, uh, and like any message, let me say this, any message, you know, any of us stands up and pr- speaks, 
we're possibly laying foundations where we need to go away and join up the dots. I don't mean to kind of add your own theology, but the, the application of it and the working out of it is often different for different people, but we can't cover everybody's eventuality. So sometimes we need to join up the dots and say, God, what does this mean to me in my situation? How does this... How do I apply this, but also how does this transform me in my situation? So to come into land is this. So there is this physical rest. So this is this important principle to take a break. It's important to take a break at times, to just have a rest. But a rest is not only about not doing something, because some things, a rest, can be to enjoy the things that God has given us. And, and that means, you know, it's good to plan holidays, isn't it? It's good to plan trips uh, out, family. It's good to go walks with friends. It's good to have hobbies. It's good to plan those things in. So there's that kind of rest. But also, there's a rest in Christ that none of those things can give. There's a rest in Christ that none of those things can give. Do you know, you can be anxious... And take as much time off as you want, but still be anxious. You can have the best holidays in the world and fly here, there, and everywhere and still find no rest. Because there's a kind of rest that is only in the Lord Jesus Christ. I give a peace that the world cannot give. I give a peace that none of those things, that nothing else no matter what the relationship is, and I could stand here and talk about relationships and, 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 and how God blesses us through relationships, but even with the best relationships in the world, there's a peace that that cannot give. There's a peace that it cannot give. There's a certain rest within the rest that only comes out of relationship with God. If you don't know God, the greatest peace is knowing that he's forgiven us and we belong to him. He's our Heavenly Father. But even those who follow him, and these principles of rest and doing things that help bring rest are there. They're written in Scripture. But there is only a rest, a certain rest that comes through knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. And Adam and Eve had this wonderful privilege, didn't they, of, of you know, starting to build culture and society. And in, in the cool of the day and the evening, uh, walking in the presence of God and reflecting on their, on their day. And, uh, you know, in Isaiah 40, it says, doesn't it, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not grow faint. They'll soar on wings like eagles. Now, you might be of a certain age now, maybe even a little bit older than me, and said, I can't imagine soaring like an eagle. But it's in here, isn't it? He enables us to soar and equip us to face the next day or the next challenge uh, he causes us uh, to soar. A number of years ago, I, I remember um, I regularly spend time with God on my own. I enjoy that. Probably should do it more. God doesn't make me guilty. You know, I learned that it's an invitation, isn't it, to come and spend time with God. It's, it's an invitation. And I remember sitting in our front room up in, in Whitley Bay where we used to live, and we used to put on large-scale events for young people, and uh, they're big. And, and often I'd compete myself, you know, be competitive with other events that went on in other parts of the country, wanting ours to be bigger than the, what other people did, etc., etc. And, you know, you'd, you want to succeed, you don't want to fail. 
And I remember sitting there and having a quiet time, spending time with God, and I was a bit worried about my latest thing that I was involved in, whether it was going to work, whether it was going to fail, whether it was going to lose money, whether people say, ah, I didn't, you know, it was a daft idea, it wasn't going to work. And I remember sitting there, and this, this I, it definitely was the Holy Spirit, this revelation from God in my anxiety, and the truth just hit me that I'm loved, that I'm forgiven, that I'm in Christ. I'm loved, I'm forgiven, I'm in Christ. If it doesn't work, I am loved, I'm forgiven, I'm in Christ. If I got it wrong, I am loved, I'm forgiven, I'm in Christ. If I failed, I am loved, I'm forgiven, I'm in Christ. And that revelation just just released the pressure off me like, you know, some of you remember the old time pressure cookers, some of you might not. And the steam would just build up, build up, build up, wouldn't it? And then you open the top and he just, and that's how it felt. Emotionally, spiritually, everything within me, I thought, wow, thank you, Lord. That is so releasing that nobody could ever take that away from me, ever take that away from me, that I'm loved, I'm forgiven, and I'm in the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a rest in spending time with God. And, and just very quickly to say there's a rest in, in, in spending time with other believers as well. Um, on a Sunday morning, I'm sure some of you had felt a bit of release this morning through the worship, through communion, what Angie shared and other things. There's, there's just something, isn't there, that, that, where God wants to, to bless us. But Andy talks about the small groups. Oh, connect groups. Sorry, Andy. Don't be stoned. <laughs> connect groups. And th- there's something about them that bring a, a, a rest and a release. I know some of you are thinking, oh, I've got a busy week. Can I go to my connect group? And sometimes it just can't, you just can't do it. But there is a rest there as well. And uh, Timothy Keller says this in his book, the small group movement of the 20th, 21st century emphasized the need for believers to give one another nurture and support for the struggles and the hardships of work. This showed us that faithful work requires inner spiritual renewal and heart transformation. So some of the rest, the rest that will come from God will be through other people um, helping each other to rest. Now, my last illustration, and um, I remember being at a, 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 a camp in uh, Hollybush, North Yorkshire, and it's called Miracle Valley. There's a book written about it, actually, called Miracle Valley. Years ago, lots of miracles happened, and this fellowship started up. They had many camps, and uh, I was involved in one of them. And it was one of those... Uh, those of you who've been around on the Christian scene for a while, remember that big events often had a bit of a platform party. People used to sit on the stage and look at the congregation, and the congregation would sit and look at the platform party. And um, I was part of the platform party. We don't do it so much now. We kind of we get, you know, get off the stage once we've finished, which is probably a better move. But I remember sitting there during the worship and having this feeling that God had a message for somebody, a word for somebody, a bit like what Angie was sharing, doing this morning. And the picture was of, of, of a blank piece of paper, a blank piece of paper, so a bit, a bit like that. And within the picture that I had within my spirit, the, the, the piece of paper became all really scrumpled up like this. And the word for somebody was this, that God saw the blank piece of paper and he saw them as being clean and right with him. But the way that they felt was all scrumpled up and knotted on 
their inside. They were incredibly full of uh, anxiety, of disappointment, uh, a sense of uh, failure, and it was just eating them up. Now, as we know, as Angie says, there are challenges in life. There are challenges in life, but there is a peace that God still wants to bring to us. And in a moment, I would uh, like us to pray, and for those who want to, and respond to Jesus' invitation. Now you say, I've already responded to Jesus' invitation uh, because I've become a Christian. No, this is the invitation I'm referring to, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary. He says, come to me. Now, there is a busyness of the week where it's natural that we will be tired at the end of the day, but there is a weariness that is not from God, a weariness that is not right, that is beyond what God would want us to have within normal life. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And maybe this morning, as you know, you look at the principles of rest and put them into practice, connect with other Christians and bring a release to each other, maybe this morning, in your heart, you're saying, Lord, this, this is me. This is me. I mean, uh, there's a weariness, there's a burden that I know is just beyond what you'd want me to have. And I want you to bring supernatural peace to me because he can bring peace that the world cannot give. So maybe it's sleeplessness, maybe it's anxiety that shouldn't be there. Maybe it's just, just worry that's constantly there that God's saying, you need to trust in me. So without any music or anything else going on, I would like to pray for you for us to respond to Jesus' invitation, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I'd love to pray for you this morning. And I'm going to ask you to do a difficult thing. Uh, just, just stand to your feet and we'll pray before we move on. So why don't you do that now? If this relates to you, why don't you stand and we'll pray. I believe that God wants to work within, within our hearts. I'm sure that you're going to work through with the Lord, rest in the practical sense. But for some of you this morning, saying, God, I need something supernatural here. I know I do. I need something that can only come from you. There's a rest that can only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason I encourage it this morning, I encourage it this morning, is because it is better that you move forward with this sense of peace from here, that you approach a new season in life where this has been here too long, where this has been here too long. So even though many people have stood and we will pray, I think that for some, God is saying this morning, you have been in this position for too long. Let me take this. Let me take this now. Let's move into a new season together with my peace, my rest, and my joy. So I'm just going to leave it for a few seconds longer um, if you'd like to stand uh, before I pray.
For those of you who are sitting, most of you, many of you will be believers. Why don't you in your spirit, um, this is a significant thing for people to know something of God's peace that's supernatural. And it's your brothers and sisters that are standing. Why don't you just, um, where you are, where you're sitting, just be prayerful as well. Not passive, but prayerful for those who responded this morning. Lord, we do thank you that you planning to creation and those good things that we should do that bring freedom. And Lord, we do pray that you'd help us to respond wisely to your principles that you've given us in life. Help us to respond wisely. But Lord, we pray for those that are standing, our brothers and sisters, and we pray in the name of Jesus for a miracle. We pray, Lord, that you would bring supernatural peace into hearts, minds, into spirits, into to family situations, into work situations. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus for good rest, for good sleep. We pray, Lord, for the ability to trust you, knowing that you hold the bigger picture, that you are above all things, and in you all things hold together. In you all things hold together. That if you can hold the universe together, Lord, we're confident that you can hold our lives that you know the bigger picture. And for those, Lord, that are responding, that stood, and those that are even responding, that are sitting down, we pray, Lord, for a release of your Holy Spirit, that they'll know, Lord, out of your grace, that you have done it. That you have brought a release within their spirit, within their hearts, within their minds, that you have brought that release. And, Lord, we pray for a release of peace, And we pray for a release of joy, Lord, that is your strength. We pray, Lord, that when people come into your presence, that they will sense your joy. Pray, Lord, even when occasionally challenging times come, there will still be that inexplicable joy that only comes from you. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to receive from you. And this morning, Lord, together as a body, we receive all that you've got for us. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you.